0: I don't know about you, but I've had a good morning so far. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you, all those folks that lead us in worship. Folks, last week, we talked about evangelism. And this Saturday, we're going to be talking about evangelism. And this Sunday night coming up, we're going to be celebrating uh, our, our commitment to evangelism. But there is another, hmm, well... <laughs> there should be another topic that we're going to talk about today, and that is hospitality. Now, hospitality is closely uh, related to evangelism, and we're going to talk about how those two things can work hand in hand, although we, we may want to go with a black screen on that if, if my notes didn't show up. I want If you would, if you have your Bible, turn into in uh, Romans 12, please. We're going to read verses 9 through 13. All right, it says, verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Now, those verses are so tightly packed with stuff that we could have five different sermons on those five verses. But what I want to draw your attention to right now is the end of verse 13. Seek to show hospitality. Now, what is Christian hospitality? I'm going to give you a definition that I came up with, so there might be a better one somewhere, but here's what mine is. And guys, if, uh, if you want to remember anything that the Lord tells you while you're here listening, I suggest you flip over on the back of your bulletin and write some notes. Uh, I have found that the weakest of ink is better than my memory. Okay, so if you want to write some notes, here's my definition of what Christian hospitality is. It is the thoughtful, strategic And intentional use of our time and our homes to build relationships that bring people closer to God. Let me tell you that one more time. It is the thoughtful, strategic, and intentional use of our time and our homes to build relationships that bring people closer to God. You remember last week we talked about if you're going to share your faith with lost people, you're going to have to get around some lost people. Now, I know that seems obvious, but I also know that some of you would would say to me and have said to me, the only people I hang around with are are Christians. I mean, I have my church friends and I see them outside of church and then I see my family at home and then I come to church and see church people. So the only people that I hang out with are Christians and uh, that is a legitimate issue but it's not something that we can say okay the only people I'm around are Christians therefore I don't have to obey the Lord in in evangelism right <laughs> we can't go there instead we have to say the only people I hang around are Christians therefore I need to be thoughtful and strategic and intentional about hanging around with somebody else Evangelism and hospitality are not the same thing, but they work hand in hand to accomplish the entire Great Commission. When we show hospitality to those who are lost and unchurched, we build relationships that can be used to get the gospel to those people. Now, when we show hospitality to those who are already in the church, then we build relationships that allow, as the scripture says, for iron to sharpen iron. Uh, when I'm in my small groups, or when when I'm hanging around with people uh, in the church, it's an opportunity for me to learn from them, for them to learn to me from me, and for us to just sharpen one another as we hang out. Um, I was in a staff meeting in the in the previous church where I served, and the youth pastor was in there, and uh, our our senior pastor asked us. Has anybody ever discipled you? And we're like, no, not really. Well, my youth, our youth guy uh, said, well, yes, I have been discipled, but I've been discipled by Steve, and uh, that was a that was a really meaningful compliment to me. But we never got together and sat around. And I said, all right, young grasshopper, I will show you the ways of the word. It, we just hung out together. We were just friends, and we spent time together. And through spending time together. Those things that were important to both of us would, would be talked about. And so we were able to learn from one another. That is part of the benefit of showing hospitality to those already in the church. We can engage in hospitality that doesn't involve a Bible study or a single mention of the church. Uh, that is okay and fitting. It's okay for friends to hang out and not have church business to work on. Now the things that are important to us, do seem to come up in conversation, but we don't have to get together just for a Bible study or just to work on any issue at church. We can get together because we love one another. Evangelism is not something that you have to know somebody really well before you can engage in. (coughs) We can engage in evangelism with the guy pumping gas next to us at the gas station. So these are not the same thing, but I want to show you how related they are. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and use our lives to draw people to God in a variety of ways and in a variety of the opportunities that He gives us. We need to have sense to take advantage of them. That is why we have to be thoughtful, strategic, and intentional. I'm going to ask our Sunday school teachers and our small group leaders to take the lead in this. Uh, I want us all to do it, but I really want our teachers to take the lead here. I'm reading a book by Josh Hunt where he claims that the Sunday schools in his church that are working through the system that he asked them to work, which is showing hospitality, all of them that do it double within 24 months. What would it be like, guys, if we started getting Sunday schools to show hospitality, to bring lost unchurched people into their wonderful communion that they already have, and we started doubling our class sizes within the next 24 months. Wouldn't that bring some enthusiasm and some revitalization around here? Now why doesn't every church do it then? That's the obvious question, right? If you can do it, if you can double your class size in 24 months, why would any church not do that? The reason is because it takes real work. And real effort. Work can be fun though. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. Peter tells us this. Above all. And that's a mouthful. Above all. He's he's saying some other stuff in his letter. And he says, but above all. Keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. Without grumbling. All right. So this is not simply a command to do something. It is a command to be something. He is saying do it without grumbling. And that doesn't mean show hospitality and hate it the whole time but manage not to say anything. (laughs) He's saying be the kind of people who like to show hospitality to other people. Now we, uh, you know, that may require heart change, right? Right? We can't make ourselves want something we don't want. Now we can obey, we, we can obey, but we can't just desire to obey. So like I said last week about evangelism, what I recommend you do is if you're not the kind of person that likes to show hospitality, pray to the Lord and ask Him to make you one of those people. Uh, it may require heart change, but the Lord is perfectly capable of changing your heart in this area and any other. The same thing with evangelism goes for this. If you don't feel like doing it, don't sit back and say, well, I asked God to change my heart on this and he didn't change my heart. So therefore I am free to disobey the Lord. (laughs) No, that's not right. While you're praying for that heart change, obey the Lord and then ask him to make you desire to do it. Uh, You know, they say it's hard to steer a ship that's dead in the water, right? Get moving in obedience and God will steer your heart to love that obedience. Hebrews thirteen one and 2 says this. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality. We're finding a pattern here, right? The New Testament talks a lot about showing hospitality. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now, why does this passage tell us not to neglect hospitality? Well, the reason is because it's very easy to neglect it. We tend to be egocentric and selfish. I mean, and I'm not saying you tend to be, I'm saying we tend to be (laughs) egocentric and selfish. When we get done with a long day of work, are we thinking, how can I show hospitality to my lost neighbor to build a relationship with him or her to get the gospel to him? No, we're thinking, I want to go home and kick my shoes off and sit in front of the television and then eat, right? that's what We are naturally bent toward comforting ourselves. So that's why the writer here tells us not to neglect hospitality because it's easy to do. Matter of fact, it's our default position. So we have to work to overcome that. We spend our resources, guys, on what's important to us. And our most precious resource is our time. We have to plan and work thoughtfully if we're going to invest our time in hospitality. Otherwise, like I said, we will just neglect it by default. So why is showing hospitality so important? Well, let's look back to Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. And I apologize for not having these on the board, but uh, I'm, I'm reading what it says to you. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land you shall not do him wrong you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt i am the lord your god now a jewish reader who read that in leviticus when he says hey he's talking about egypt and then he says i am the lord your god he would think back to exodus chapter 20 which is the 10 commandments because the Lord prefaces the Ten Commandments with this very similar statement. He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he begins the Ten Commandments. So why do these, these statements, I am the Lord your God, and, the land, and this business about bringing you out of the land of Egypt, what do those have to do with hospitality? Alright, here's what they have to do with it. The first thing is that God commands us to do whatever he wants, right? He made us. He formed us from the, from the dust. I was, uh, I was working through my Hebrew translation that I had to do yesterday, and uh, he's, God is talking to Adam, and he says, you're going to return to the dust because you're made from dust. You know, And I just thought, ooh, that's, how dare a, a collection of dust rebel against God? You know? <laughs> that's, that takes some serious audacity. So God can tell us to do whatever it is he wants us to do. He made us. He owns us. Our next breath, as we sang a moment ago, and our heartbeat come only with his permission. That that is how frail we are and how great he is. He can command us by virtue of who he is. He's God. We're a created creature. He has the right and the authority to command us to do whatever he says. But not only does he deserve obedience because of who he is he also deserves our allegiance because of what he has done for us the israelites were slaves in egypt god rescued them he set them free by his power for the purpose of bringing glory worship and honor to his name but it was also for the good of his people right now does that story sound familiar to you It does to me because if you are a believer, this is what happened to you. God delivered me from my slavery to sin. God rescued me. He set me free with his own blood for the purpose of bringing glory and worship and honor to his name. But he also did that for the good of his people, right? So God says, hey, I am the Lord, your God. I brought you out of Egypt. gives them the Ten Commandments. So for those same reasons, we need to obey the Lord because of who He is and because of what He has done for us. You see, we were strangers. Guys, what would have become of us if God didn't pursue us? God showed hospitality to His people for His glory. John Piper says this, Grace is the hospitality of God to welcome into His home sinners. Not because of their goodness, but because of his glory. Because God was willing to go to such lengths to show us hospitality, shouldn't we go to whatever lengths are necessary to show hospitality to other people? We need to obey the Lord in showing hospitality, both because of who he is and because of what he has done for each of us. Let me show you how we were outsiders who would be lost without the hospitality of the gospel. I'll give you a second to flip to Ephesians 2 if you would like to. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. We were separated. "...alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world." We were on the outside looking in. Are you getting this picture? "...but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility." But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Folks, we were on the outside looking in. We had no invitation to the banquet. We didn't deserve one either. Let me read just those words in those few verses that talk about separation. In verse 12, it says, Separated, alienated, strangers having no hope verse 13 says we were far off and that there was a dividing wall of hostility. In verse 16 and verse 17 it says again we were far off and in verse 19 strangers and aliens that's who we were and God showed us hospitality. God has never looked at a sinful rebellious human and thought, you know, that guy or that gal is just so awesome. They just complete me, right? God didn't need us. He chose to love us, okay, when we were unlovely. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus tells a parable, and it is a parable about hospitality. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. "'But those invited were not worthy. "'Go therefore to the main roads "'and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find.' "'And those servants went out into the roads "'and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. "'So the wedding hall was filled with guests. "'But when the king came to look at the guests, "'he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. "'And he said to him, "'Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment?' "'And he was speechless. "'Then the king said to the attendants, "'Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness.' In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Look again at verse 9. It says, Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. We who have been invited to the feast and have been chosen, as Jesus says in verse 14, need to invite to the wedding feast as many as we find. And there's different ways to do that, guys. We can go into downtown. We can go into our parks. We can go where people are. And we can have conversations with them. We can go to the fair and take people who are waiting on their kids to get done with the jumps. And we can share the gospel with them. And that is a good thing to do. And I would recommend that we who are able to do that, go do that. But there are other ways to get together with lost people. And that is where hospitality plays such a large role. In this parable that Jesus told, God flings open the doors and invites sinners to come to Him. He is the ultimate expression of hospitality. And we need to imitate our Lord. Again, remember, thoughtful, strategic, and intentional hospitality asks the question, How can I draw the most people by the use of my home, into the joy of the hospitality of God. Now, I'm not asking you to do something that's not smart. I, I don't think our widows need to you know, go over to the, the mission and invite strange uh, guys that come out in the morning over to their house for tea, right? We, we need to be smart. But we don't have to do this alone, guys. That's why we're part of a body. We don't have to do this by ourselves. Let me suggest some practical ways that you can show hospitality. I recommend to our Sunday school and small groups um, that they have get-togethers with your class and everyone invites a friend who's not in the church. I recommend that you do it very regularly. What would happen if, let's say, every Saturday evening you had some people from your Sunday school and some people from outside the church, and I don't mean that are happily plugged in somewhere else, I mean that aren't in the church at all, Over to your house for card games or board games or movie night or whatever else you can think of. What I think is, they would get around a bunch of people who genuinely love one another and enjoy spending time with each other, and they'd think, man, this is amazingly attractive. This is something I want to be part of. I think your class would grow. I think if you invited the lost and unchurched people into these fellowships, they'd be coming to church with you before too long. We would be growing as a church, having a great time fellowshipping with one another and bringing lost people under the influence of the church and under the influence of the gospel. If we would get serious about using this this, uh, tool of hospitality... That we're commanded to use. I mean, we read a number of verses where he says, show hospitality, right? Now, I know showing hospitality is not easy. It means you've got to clean the house, right? <laughs> it's okay. Clean the house. It's worth the effort. I would also suggest that you forget about any kind of pretense. Guys, people don't, know, don't need to be impressed with your china. They need to be impressed with your love for them and your love for one another. Proverbs 15, 17 says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And we all know that. Our days are numbered, guys, and they need to count. So if you are a widow, yeah, don't invite some strange dude into your house. But you can invite another widow that you know over for coffee. Uh, Some widows have busier schedules than I have, but some are lonely and could really really use somebody who cares enough about them to show them hospitality. Coffee is cheap, but companionship and friendship and hospitality are priceless. Our married folks can have other couples over just to be kind to them and build relationships. Pick someone who doesn't go to church, befriend them, and then bring them around. Our classes can be growing in their fellowship. And love for one another, and growing in size at the same time. Guys, if we would regularly get together, enjoy one another, and invite unchurched people to join in with us. And guys, I'm not even talking about doing a Bible study or, or, you know, talking about church the second they walk in. I'm just saying, get together with your friends who are part of this church, love on them, and invite some people from outside. Show show the outsider hospitality like we just read that the Lord did with us. Go, he sent his servants into the streets to call everybody. So I wouldn't quite do that, but I would invite people who are outside, inside, so they could enjoy the love and the fellowship and the friendship that they'll experience with people in your Sunday school class or small group. As this is biblical stuff, John 13, 34, and 35 <coughs> Says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, that is supposed to be attractive. It is supposed to be obvious to those outside that we have a love for one another that is not something the world experiences. Unchurched people who hang around your class for a period of time should experience something that they will not find anywhere else. Then if you invest in those relationships, over time, it should be the most natural thing for them to want to hang out with their friends on Sunday morning as well. And you will be able to invite them into the church. You will have gained their trust and you'll be able to speak the words of the gospel to them in a way that is reputable. They'll say, hey, this guy isn't just pushing something. This guy believes this. I can tell when I hang around these folks. <coughs> what can hospitality do for us if we'll really take this seriously? Well, it can help us grow as a church. It can help us obey the Great Commission by getting us in contact with the lost people with whom we need to share the gospel. It can provide much-needed reinforcements for someone who is battling loneliness. It can help us get to know one another better and love one another more. Folks, there are people who don't have a lot of family and don't have a lot of friends outside of the church. And if they are plugged in to a a healthy New Testament Bible-believing church, they shouldn't be lonely, guys. They should be loved and hospitality be shown to them. I've really enjoyed having people come to my house for Sunday lunch. Uh, If I haven't gotten to you yet, just wait. (laughs) We're really enjoying it. We had a great time eating and visiting, and I look forward to every one of those lunches. Let's take that same enjoyable fellowship and include some people that we know that don't have a church or a family of their own to share that fellowship with. We can do this as individuals, as couples, and as classes. So if you're a Sunday school teacher in here today or a small group leader in here today, please think about this. Take this home with you and think, how can my class start showing hospitality to those outside and bring them inside? We can do it as individuals and as couples as well. So we need to think of how we can show hospitality. We can do whatever you can dream up. If you are a competitive person, compete in this, okay If we have some classes that say, "I bet I can be more uh, hospitable than that class over there, I bet our, our Sunday school can double in twenty four months, and I bet them it 'll take them three years. Be competitive in this uh, Romans nine ten says, "Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor." So, here's a chance for you to outdo one another, but outdo one another in doing something wonderful for the Lord. Now, why do we need to do that? Because people need to hear our message, and they need to meet our Savior. Guys, there are people who are are going to uh, die without Christ. There are people who are going to die having made a profession of faith and had zero fruit come from that. And guys, you know, I think... (laughs) The same thing that I know that the Bible says a good fruit will come from a good tree, right? And bad fruit will come from a bad tree. Guys, I'm not sitting around going, hey, if you're not um, living this certain way and I have a list of 50 things, then I don't think you're, you know, a believer. But I do know that the word says believers act like believers. And so we have a lot of folks in our society. If you go up to them and you say, are you saved? They'll be like, Yep. How do you know? Because I prayed a prayer and walked down an aisle and got baptized. All right. That's okay if that was the start of a relationship. But guys, if that was the start and end of a relationship, then you're not saved. Okay? That's just what the Word tells us. There are a lot of people around us that have no relationship with Christ. They have no relationship with the church. But they think they're going to heaven because they think they got a golden ticket back when they were 12. Now, they haven't spoken to the Lord since then. They haven't read his word. They haven't done anything he told them to do, but they think they're good. And guys, I've told you, that's like if on October in October of 1993, Melissa and I got married, and then I hadn't seen her until I ran into her at the store yesterday. That's not a real marriage. That's not a real relationship, right? But that's how some of our friends and our family have treated the Lord. They said, hey... I'd rather go to heaven than hell because I'm not insane. So I'll make this commitment. I'll I'll say the right words. I'll pray the right prayer. And then when I got my ticket, I'm good. I I don't really like the Lord. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't like his bride. I don't want to have anything to do with her. But I'm right with God, right? We know that's not true. They don't. That's the problem. (laughs) So we need to get them involved with us. We need to show them hospitality. We need to bring them in. And we need to share the gospel with them. And then we need to bring them to church where we can collectively share the gospel with them. What that gospel is, I will remind you, and I know you say, well, we already know. I want you to hear it again so that you can tell somebody else. The gospel is this. God created us, had every right to tell us what to do. Adam and Eve, our, our, our heads uh, back in the day, they said, well, we can listen to God, we can listen to our creator, or we can put our faith in the word of the serpent, and we can do what he says. And they chose to place their faith in the serpent, right? And they rebelled against God. And we have been rebelling against God ever since then. Every time you sin, you rebel against God. And so there's a problem. And that problem is something that we couldn't fix. We didn't have any way to make ourselves clean again. If you take a beautiful wedding gown and throw ink all over it, you're not going to be able to fix that. (laughs) We have sin in our life. We have stained ourselves with sin. And we can't become pure anymore. So we're helpless without Christ. But God fixed this problem for us in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to live the life we should have lived and to pay for the sins that we committed if we will put our faith in Him and our repentance. Then on His account will go all our sin and all of His righteousness and perfection and obedience will be counted to our account. That is the gospel that we need to believe It's the gospel we need to preach. And it's the gospel that needs to inspire in us hospitality to draw other people in.